welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nika Anani and I'm your host. Another week, another bomb episode, another bomb, amazing guest. This week, I'm joined by Joseph Bukeli. He is a certified financial planner and he helps families build wealth, essentially. So he is so generous in his spirit and recognized that a lot of young families don't know what they don't know, in his words, and so put together educational resources to help families learn the important concepts that they were never taught in school, (laughs) right? How to manage wealth. And this episode, I just really, really enjoyed it. It was more than the apparent wealth management and technical tools. He spoke to the base and the foundation, the importance of mindset. It's like this lesson is like a life lesson that seems to follow me wherever I go. Everyone says, stop, don't focus on the what, the tactics, go back and focus on the why. And in focusing on the why, you might need to work on your mindset. He said so, so much. I really don't want to spoil it. I might just be in this intro, just spilling all the tea, right? (laughs) Nah, I'd love for you to listen to it, check it out and share, share within your networks. Hi, Joe. Welcome to The Connected Generation. I'm excited to have you today. It's nice to see you today, Nika. And thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So you are a financial advisor today. Can you tell us more about your journey, how you got to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in New Jersey, the northern part. We kind of refer to it as North Jersey here, but it's 45 minutes outside of New York City. And it's a very commuter area. So a lot of people go to work in the city. There's a lot of trains and stuff to get you in there. So I went to college in New Jersey as well as a finance major. And I kind of just always assumed that I would be working in New York City. That's what everybody around me did. And we had this one person come in who talked about this thing that I'd never heard of before, which was financial planning. And it sounded fantastic, actually, because I assumed I was going to have to go into Wall Street and kind of get worked to death and not really enjoy my life for the first three to five years outside of college. And he kind of explained that you don't have to do that. You can take these Excel and computer type of interests and you could take the interest in finances in general and help normal people. You could help middle class, you know, what we call middle class people over here that be able to retire, send their kids to college and make an impact and see that impact and have that human family connection. So I thought that was fantastic. And I was looking for an internship and wound up going to a company that was called or is still called New Horizons. And New Horizons, the owner of the firm, his name is Bob, and he's become like a father and a mentor to me. And he actually doesn't believe in coincidences. So I wound up cutting here through my mom and one of the people that she knew. But funny enough, my roommate at the time, his mother actually worked at the same company. So she validated me as someone that she had faith in and that he should bring on. But yeah, I think the cosmos were just pointing me towards New Horizons. And so I was going to get here one way or another. So now, you know, 13 years later, I've been at this company for my entire working career right now. And at 35 years old, I'm running a 39-year-old wealth management firm. So it's been a pretty interesting journey for coming here. And I love my job. I love helping people. I love the people that I work with. So 
I'm very blessed at this point for sure. That's excellent. And you're also a podcaster, right? Yeah, yeah. So part of what got me into podcasting is really because of how fortunate I feel to be here. So married when I was in college, God was nice enough to put my wife right next door. So that was fortunate. And now we have two young kids, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And I just love being a father. It's like my favorite thing. When I was younger, I was afraid to hold a baby. And now it's like my favorite thing in the world. So I really just want to make an impact and help give back to people that are kind of in my same situation. Because one of the things that I realized in talking to friends is there's a lot of anxiety out there for young families. And they don't really know what they don't know. And a big part of it is we're not educated. So I've talked to people kind of in different areas all over the world. And it seems like nobody is financially educated globally the way that they need to know what they should do, what they shouldn't do. So you have this void that winds up existing where people start families and they don't have the education. Many times they don't have the resources because they haven't really built up enough or they feel confident going out and trying to get help. And if you're young and you're a family and you do certain things that are very easy, just saving and protecting what you have, you can remove a lot of the financial anxiety that is probably sitting over your head. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing that frees me up. Like, I don't have any financial anxiety of where I'm going. I don't have any financial anxiety for if, God forbid, something were to happen to me, what would happen to my family? And so I can just fully engage with being a father. I can just fully engage with making life as enjoyable as possible because I don't have what I realized were some common worries or anxieties that are over a lot of people's heads. And so that's why I developed the podcast to try to reach that boy, that group of people that I really connect with. That's incredible. What I just find really fascinating is that the irony is that we're in this information age where we have all sorts of information at our fingertips on our phones and there's overload of information. And also our generation want more autonomy in terms of making decisions, in terms of when they're investing and building wealth and what have you. And yet you're saying that they don't know what they don't know. And there's a lot of financial anxiety. I'm really intrigued by your story and your journey, how you don't have any financial anxiety. How did you feel during the heat of the pandemic? Were you concerned about your finances? What was your mindset towards that? Sure. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And really a great earlier point with how there is so much information out there. And a lot of times it's kind of alluded to, it's too much information. And it's conflicting information. And sometimes what you hear is the loudest information that's being put out there or the one that has the catchiest title, which is not necessarily the best information that you should be looking at many times. So during the pandemic, the best advice that, in our opinion, that you could have received was to take a step back and not react emotionally. Now, that Mm -hmm. doesn't really make a great headline. (laughs) What makes a great headline is it's going to drop further. You know, you got to get in there and touch it and try to protect what you have. And for the people that did not touch it and they left it there and they let it kind of come back up to where it is now, where in 2020, we had this global pandemic and most people ended positive if they just did not touch the investments that they had, which is Mm -hmm. unbelievable, just mind-blowing. And so there's never any guarantee when it comes to investments. However, if you look at the longer-term track records of things, whether it was the global financial crisis in 2008 or the pandemic now in 2020, history kind of shows that if you do not react emotionally and you give things a chance to come back up again, 
then they generally do that. So historically, that's kind of always been the case. But that advice to kind of stay calm and take a step back, again, isn't something that you're going to see in a headline. It's definitely not something you're going to see on the news when you turn that on. And so it can be hard to get that message, even though there is a lot of information out there all the time for young people. That's a lot of wisdom right there. And so for young people that have young families and you're really passionate about helping them with building financial freedom, what tips do you have in terms of what's the starting point for those that are business owners, maybe second generation or even first generation and have highly liquid assets, usually just their business and their primary residence, how else can they really protect themselves and their family? Sure. Yeah. So I guess the first part of that would be really developing a good financial mindset. So we want to just jump right into investments or jump right into some of the more, I guess, maybe glamorous sounding financial aspects. But it's really important to first have a good financial mindset of what do I want my money to do for me? How do I want to approach money? And because what we teach our clients is the goal is not to have a big number on a piece of paper. The goal is to get yourself into a position where you can really do what you want to do in life, whatever that may be to you. So when we work with some young financial families and they say like, oh, you know, I'm taking this new job and I'm going to make more money and it's going to be more hours, but that's okay. You know, a great question to ask yourself is, okay, if I'm making $20,000 more, let's say, just as an example, what will that extra $20,000 allow me to do in life that I can't otherwise do if I didn't receive it? And mm -hmm. so kind of set your mindset for not just accumulating money for the sake of accumulating money, but what will that allow me to do in life and living. And I think that's a great place to start from a mindset before you even get into any of the investments or the insurance or the financial products or anything like that. So, mm. you know, once you set that mindset, now you could start working into actual investments and protections and things of that nature. And my experience here with running a small business as a non family member, I really had some great experiences with the owner of the firm who is an odd type B personality who's running and owning a company. And he, from the first day that I came in, he had a great open line of communication with me and a great openness to my opinion. So like you mentioned second generation and kids. Mm -hmm. I think if you want to do great in the family business, really setting up yourself in a place where you can succeed from a communication standpoint is huge. So mm -hmm. one of the stories that he told me when I first came in was, there's a little girl at a family party and the mom cut off the ends of the roast before she was going to put it into the oven. And the girl asked, mom, why do we cut the ends off before we put it into the oven? She said, you know, I don't really know. My mom always taught me to do it that way. So let me ask her. So they went and they asked her and she said, you know, honestly, I don't know either. I was always taught that way as well. And thankfully, the great grandmother was still alive in the story. So they went over to the great grandmother and they said, Great grandma, why do we cut the ends off of this roast before we put it into the oven? And she said, Well, I had a really small oven at the time. That's the only way I could fit it in. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so just asking those questions and being aware of why we do things the way we do now, do with them now, isn't necessarily still serving the same purpose. And he was just great at opening those lines of communication so that I could really make an impact in the firm. I had the confidence and the ability to make that impact really because he opened the door for me to do that. Mm, that's powerful, really powerful. 
I'm just thinking about kids now, and you're a father with two young kids. At what point is it appropriate to start having conversations about money and wealth and the truth of what we earn and have and what we intend to pass to the kids? And how do we go about that whole process? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the concepts, again, mindset-wise, you can start instilling at a young age for... You know, I talk to my kids about doing what makes them happy. And I mean, you've had some other great guests in previous episodes that talked about even if you're a musician or even if you're, you know, no matter what your skill is, you can really connect and you can make an impact for your family business. So it doesn't have to be just a repetition of the exact mold that your parents are in. So some of the concepts that you could teach kids about money is really a mindset and making sure that they know that money is a tool to help them do whatever they want to do in life that would make them happy. It's not mm-hmm. a means of an end, you know, it's not a goal in of itself. So I, I keep going back to that mindset thing, but that's really the most important piece as far as we're concerned. And that's the part that I'm trying to get across to my kids. As they get older, again, I think it goes into the communication. So I have a little bit of a different growing up story with my, I have a sister that passed away a couple of years ago and through her whole life, she suffered from a disorder called borderline personality disorder. And it's a mental illness and it's really damaging relationship wise because she looked normal, she could act normal, and then she'd have mood swings that really made people step away and made it really, really hard to have relationships with family and friends long-term, even Mm -hmm. though that's really what she wanted. Everybody wants these close personal relationships. So there was a method that was developed. It's called dialectical behavior therapy or DBT. And Mm -hmm. it's really about communicating specifically to people that had this disorder, but it really transcends how we should be communicating with everybody in every instance. So it deals with validation. It deals with how there's multiple truths to any situation. So it might be your perspective is your truth. My perspective is my truth. Asking questions and seeking to understand instead of kind of dictating your thoughts. So when you're in a family business, what I found, I mean, Bob made it so easy for me here, but Mm -hmm. if you're in any kind of family business, if you're using some of those tools, like your truth is that you want to make an impact for the family business because you care about the family business. Your father was there, maybe your grandfather or parents, whatever it might be. So you want to make that impact. You need to also realize that they see you trying to make an impact as change. And so how you present those changes is really the most important part. If you come in and say, you know, we shouldn't be doing this because it doesn't make sense. I don't get that. Like, we should really be doing it this way. Come on, let's get with it. Mm. They're going to be defensive. I mean, if you put yourself in their position, you would be defensive. You know, the Mm. company is a reflection of them. So it's not just attacking a procedure or attacking an approach, It's kind of attacking a little piece of them sometimes. Mm. So instead, in that same example, you come and you say, you know, you've done such a great job running this company. And I just want to understand why we do everything the way that we do so that I can try to contribute as much as I can where it's possible. So can you explain to me, I'm sure there's a reason why we're doing it this way. Can you help me understand why we're doing it this way, how this is the best way to accomplish the goal that we're trying to set out to accomplish? And this way you're asking them for advice and you're being respectful of them. And that's a much, much better way to form those communication lines and have positive feedback in a way that they're not feeling like you're coming at them. They feel like they're really trying to understand me. And Mm -hmm. so that was such a valuable training that I had growing up 
with really a focus on how you communicate with people. Because my sister, you really had to communicate with her in a certain way to try to have as much of a relationship as possible. But those same traits, it's, it's funny how they really just transcend everything. That's incredible. I think it's just our shared humanity. We all want to be seen and heard, really. We do want to be seen and heard, founders included. They don't want to be critiqued. They don't need a questionnaire. You can ask questions in a way that would broaden their horizons. And as you kind of alluded to, honor all that they've brought to the table without just criticizing it. I mean, it's really, really wise. I wanted to know a little bit more about your thoughts on crypto, which at the moment is very topical. And I know many friends that have literally put everything they own (laughs) into cryptocurrency. What are your thoughts on it? And how can young families really protect themselves if they do choose to be invested in crypto? Sure. Yeah. So crypto is something that's really grown over these last couple of years. Our opinion at the time or this time is it's not something that I'm currently putting my own money in. It's not something I'm actively recommending for other people. And there's kind of a couple of reasons why to that. So it is really exciting for a lot of reasons. I would say, though, at this point, you can't always validate the new thing by just criticizing the old thing. So if you talk about our current system, you can definitely find criticisms, but that doesn't automatically validate the new possible option. Hmm. So the word currency, at least at this point, in our opinion, is a little bit misleading because currency states that it's something that you can use to buy other goods or services. And at this point, there really are not a lot of people that are accepting this as a form of payment on the day-to-day. You can't go to the grocery store and use it. So that's the first part. The second part is that a currency you kind of inherently feel like is stable to some degree in day-to-day pricing and volatility. If I go to my bank account and I have $100 in there tomorrow, I assume I'll have $100 in there, more Mm. or less. And right now with the volatility that can go along with crypto, That could be $1,000 tomorrow. That could be one penny tomorrow. And so while the technology is exciting and the way that it moves or works differently than our traditional systems is also exciting, we wouldn't say that it's a currency in those kind of definitions, how you can use it to buy and sell goods and that it's going to be relatively stable for you on a day-to-day basis. So again, I wouldn't say that I think that it's kind of going anywhere, so to speak. Like It's been around for 10 years. It's been really amped up since 2017, where it spiked up significantly. So I would just caution people about why they're getting into it. And if you're getting into it just because you feel like it may shoot up in value, then you're not really getting into it because you feel like it's a great alternative form of currency. You Mm -hmm. feel like it might be an alternative way to make a lot of money really quickly. So definitely see that it's going to continue to evolve over time. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend anybody putting money into like you said, all their money into it kind of a thing, just as an attempt to greatly, quickly grow their wealth. You've spoken a couple of times now on the importance of mindset. And just wanted to drill a little bit more on that. So how can we develop the right mindset towards wealth and wealth building? Yeah, so more times than not, if you're trying to create wealth instantaneously, it's probably a mindset issue and a misperception. Especially, I know over in America, we have a lot of get rich quick stories. And for every one that may work, there's probably a million that don't. So, your mindset when it comes to building wealth 
needs to be, in our opinion, a slow approach and always making sure that you know why you're trying to build that wealth again. Because then you're really going to be doing it for the right reasons. And when it comes to now myself and my own situation, if we want to do a home improvement or if we want to take a vacation, we know what kind of the trade-offs are. And so if you have a good understanding of what direction you're heading in, it helps you make much more educated decisions in the present. So a very general, general tool that somebody could use is something called the rule of 72. So the rule of 72 basically Mm -hmm. states that if you take 72 and you divide it by whatever assumed rate of interest you have, that'll be roughly how long it takes for you to double your money. So let's say you have 72 and you divide it by 7%. It means Mm -hmm. roughly every 10 years, you would double your money using those kind of assumptions. And so if you're a young family, sometimes it might feel like, okay, you know, I saved up 100,000. That's really not that much. I need to really go out there and take some bigger bets. I really need to jump up this scale. And it may be something where you don't realize that, okay, if I'm 30 now, 100,000 in 10 years when I'm 40 is going to be 200,000. When I'm 50, now that 200 doubles again. So now we're up to 400,000. Now it doubles another time. Now it's Mm 800,000. So while you feel like you may have 100,000, you might really already in retirement age kind of have a piece that should be somewhere around 800,000. And so if we Mm -hmm. understand what we have today and when we need it, down the road and have some kind of idea of where that may be heading, again, that can help us make better decisions today. Because if I feel like I need, let's just throw a number out there, $2 million to be able to retire in America or whatever the way that I'm wanting to retire, if I know kind of what path I'm on today, then I may not feel the pressure to have to save as much. Or I may feel like, oh, I do want to do these things because I want to get to this point. But it's Mm -hmm. all just about making educated decisions based on kind of where you're heading and what you're trying to accomplish. And if the goal is just to accumulate wealth for the sake of accumulating wealth, in my opinion, at least, you're not going to lead to a point where you're really as happy as you could be in the end. There's very few happiness studies that say money is the key to happiness. (laughs) So just kind of know why you're doing what you're doing and put a little bit of effort into trying to see what direction you're going in if you keep doing what you're doing today. So you kind of have an idea of that, that future yourself, that future situation. That's incredible. And how do you know that future value that you're aiming for? How do you know? Because you kind of alluded to the 100,000 today, maybe 800,000 in 40 years time. But how do you know how much you need to be providing for in the future? Yes, that's a great question. And that's where it gets into having somebody do a little bit more work for you with planning or having an advisor kind of look at your situation that can help you in getting a really much better, clearer idea. So when we work with clients, we'll look at their cash flow and what they're living on, and we can kind of project forward what we believe they should need. And so we can really match up both ends of that. It looks like you're on pace for, as well as it looks like you're on pace for, for needing 40 years from now with inflation and all that kind of stuff. So to take that next step fully, you probably need to have somebody help you out a little bit at that point. But even if you just figure out half of the equation, so... If somebody today that's listening to this is sitting with $100,000 at 30 and it just dawned them, oh my God, now I'm going to have, like, if I'm investing this prudently, let's say, and diversifying it, spreading it out, not putting all my eggs in one basket, let's say that I should end up down the road somewhere at the $800,000 mark. Now I'm like, that expands my mind to, you know, I may not know the entire equation, but at least I have a much better idea of where I'm heading in. And I have a little bit more confidence to say, you know, take my kids on a vacation or 
maybe not take that next job. Maybe I don't know exactly if that's going to be enough, but I'm much more confident now that I'm at least on the right track. And that that could still be enough to help me make maybe better decisions for enjoying life more with my family today. And in deciding who, you know, an advisor should be, are there any particular factors families, young families should be bearing in mind? Yeah. And I would say that this is probably for anybody that's looking for an advisor. You really need to first and foremost, feel comfortable with them. We talk a lot about kind of checking off boxes. So when people are young, in America, there's a retirement plan that most companies have called a 401k. And so they kind of check off that box. Oh, I have that. If you're a family, you should have life insurance in case something happens to you. And they kind of check that box off too. And a lot of times that doesn't give them peace of mind because they're checking off boxes, but they don't really know if it's checking off the boxes in the way that they will be fine and they don't have to worry about retirement or that they'll be fine and their family would be taken care of. And so the same kind of thing can happen with an advisor. If you're just going to an advisor to try to have one and just check off that box, you may not go slowly enough with the process, which means making sure you're comfortable with them and realizing the whole point of going to them is so that when you walk out of that meeting, you feel like I'm more confident. I have a much better idea of where I'm going. I feel like I'm more educated in the decisions that I can be making. And walking out of that door with a feeling like my life is more enjoyable now because I feel safe, I feel connected, I feel educated. That's the end result that you should be feeling. So kind of beginning with the end in mind, if you go to somebody and you walk out and you're still totally confused, probably not the person you should be working with. (laughs) If you go there and all they talk about are investments and they're not talking about your goals and your mindset at all, and really trying to Hmm. use these tools to make your life more enjoyable, probably Hmm. not the right person to be working with. And that's for young people, that's for older people. The biggest thing with younger people is realizing that there are people out there that they can work with. There are advisors out there that will work with them. A common comment we have when people come in that are younger, they say, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I don't really have that much. You, know, you probably have a lot of bigger clients and they're kind of undercutting themselves right from the start. And you mm. know, for our firm, we love working with middle-class people. We're, we want to work with middle-class people and help them get to where they want to be in life. So... Don't just assume because you're young that there's nobody out there that's going to want to be working with you. It would be the kind of the one add-on for people that might be a little bit younger looking for somebody. Thank you so much. I've learned so much from you. And thank you for sharing the story about your sister as well. It was really touching. If anyone wants to get hold of you, how best can they reach you? Sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the most direct way that you can reach out to me. You can also go on my show's website, which is www.enjoymore30s30s.com. And you can reach out to me through there as well. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nico. It was great coming on. Awesome. One of my favorite quotes in life is an Igbo proverb that says, whenever one wakes up is his own morning. May I amend it a little bit? Or whenever one wakes up is her own morning. What that speaks to is the importance of awareness and consciousness. A lot of us are maybe in seasons of unconsciousness, not aware of the reason why we do things or the things that we're doing. But guess what? We have an opportunity at any point in time to start afresh and have a new beginning, a new morning. And sometimes the things that we do are by default. We may inherit the things that we do 
past patterns that we've observed in our households, we've been told to do. And sometimes the things that we do are by design, where we intentionally, with full clarity, make choices to drive our future. I love the story he gave about the grandmother and the way they cook, right? I wonder whether in any aspect of your life you can see and become aware of whether the action that you're doing is by design or by default. Doing things by default is not necessarily bad. It's just that it might not yield effective, optimal outcomes, right? Doing things by default is like drifting, right? Whereas doing living by design is being extremely intentional, driving the direction of your life, pushing and being in control, you know? I also loved when he said, when we were talking about crypto, you can't always validate the new thing by just criticizing the old thing. What a word. (laughs) What a word. You can't always validate the new thing by just criticizing the old thing. And I would go on to actually say, I completely agree. They're mutually exclusive and that we actually need a fusion of the old and the new, right? We need the tried-tested patterns of the old, right? But we need the novel innovation of the new. We need the resiliency of the old, but we need the curiosity of the new. And I think it's the case for, like he said, leading with empathy, having an honoring mindset, pausing, seeking to understand other people rather than assuming that your ideas, your positions are better, right? It's assuming a humble spirit. It's embracing a learner's mindset. And it's really not holding too tightly to outcomes, but instead trying to co-create solutions with those around you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. There's a lot going on in my life. I am in the middle of a relocation to the United States. You know what? I am going to do a solo episode in the next few weeks just to update you guys on all that's been going on. There's so much going on. Good stuff, not bad stuff, thank God. But yeah, I'd love for you to be informed. And I have a mailing list. If you'd love to join, just go to my website and sign up so you can get the juice and the deets and all that is going on. Anyway, thank you so, so much. Take good care and God bless you.